Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, uh, verses seven through eighteen, and the title of the message is "From Glory to Glory." And the last time um, I had the opportunity to uh, share the word of God uh, with you all uh, was a few weeks ago, and we were actually in the first six verses of Second Corinthians chapter four. And just a little bit of a background here. This second letter to the Corinthians, uh, here Paul is addressing uh, some of the lingering issues that were still there at the church in Corinth. If you remember, he wrote them a first letter. They were dealing with a lot of issues. There was a lot of division in the church. There was an abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There was a lack of love for one another. There was sexual immorality taking place there in the church in Corinth. So here Paul is addressing a lingering issue in the second letter, uh, specifically false teachers. Um, these individuals, so-called Judaizers, they were mixing law and they were mixing grace. Uh, they suggested that you couldn't come to Jesus until after you fulfilled the law of Moses. And of course, we know that that is not true. But this is what they were doing. And they were questioning Paul's apostleship. And they were leading a lot of other individuals astray. And I love this second letter because here, Paul, we kind of get a glimpse of his heart, not just for the Corinthians and for ministry, but just for serving the Lord as a whole. And this was a church that he fathered back during his second missionary journey. And you can read more about that in Acts chapter um, 18. And once again, I love it because when you think about ministry, and often when we think about serving the Lord, we think about doing this or doing that for the Lord. But really ministry, it's people. That's what ministry is. It's all about people. And we see this through the life of Paul. Now, the last time... Um, as I mentioned, we were in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but we looked at the first six verses, so verses 1 through 6. And some of the things that we looked at, number one, was that Paul took his calling for ministry very seriously um, because the Lord had called him into ministry. Now, when you think about it, all of us in this room, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you've made him your Lord and Savior, all of us automatically, we have a ministry already. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't serve, I don't do this, I don't do that at the church. But the truth of the matter is, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, your life becomes a ministry. You become this living epistle. You know, Paul speaks of this. We're these living letters of recommendation for the, for the faith, right? Um, people read us every single day. We are ministers of the new covenant in Christ Jesus. Um, that's what we are, as we've given our life to Jesus Christ. Um, I think it was Greg Laurie who once said that we may be the only Bible that someone will ever read. So we are literally these living epistles. We have a ministry in Christ Jesus. And the second thing we talked about is just like the Apostle Paul, we need to take those ministries very seriously. After all, it's God who has called us into ministry. We haven't called ourselves into ministry. And because God has called us and we have responded to that, we need to take this calling um, very seriously. Now, just as Paul, we need to minister this new covenant, and we need to do it boldly, and we need to do it honestly. So boldly and honestly, we need to uh, minister this new covenant in Jesus Christ. Another thing we talked about is that not everyone is going to respond to the gospel message. You're going to share the gospel with people day to day, and not everyone's going to respond. And the thing is, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. So don't take it personal. Don't ever make it about you. Make it all about Jesus. Now, we also learned that non-believers are blinded by the God of this world. Uh, that's what we read about in uh, verses 1 through 6. And Satan wants to blind us from ever seeing the light, ever hearing the gospel message, ever hearing about Jesus. And he wants us to be blinded forever. 
Now, this treasure, this wonderful treasure that Paul's speaking of here, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ, this new covenant that we are to minister. It is put inside of us, these earthen vessels, the word of God tells us. And you think about it, we're the least of the least. We're the weak of the weakest, aren't we, as, as human beings? But it's interesting that the Lord chose to put that message inside of us to share the gospel with the world. And God could have done it any other way, but he chose to use us to do that. And I believe because the word of God tells us, and we'll see this morning, that he did this. That way the power would be from God and not from ourselves. And that way people could be pointed to Jesus and not pointed in any other direction. So once again this morning, we'll focus in on verses 7 through 18. I'm going to go ahead and read beginning in verse 1 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we'll stay um, on focus beginning in verse 7. So here the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this morning, Lord God. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from you this morning. We pray that your word would become flesh in our lives. It would change us. We would leave different, Lord God, from how we came in here. We thank you so much for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so this morning, as we read here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you look here at verse 7, the first thing we're going to look at this morning is treasure in earthen vessels treasure in earthen vessels. And as we see here, this great treasure, this knowledge of Jesus Christ, this gospel of Jesus Christ, that is that treasure. And that treasure is inside of us as earthen vessels, the word of God tells us. We are these earthen vessels. We're literally these jars of clay. And when you think about pottery, uh, you think about a potter as he shapes and he molds the clay. And that potter, in our case, is the Lord. Um, he shapes us, he molds us as he desires, as he likens us in the image of his son, Jesus. And when you think about pottery, when you shape and mold clay, it has to go through what is called the firing process in order for the clay to solidify at the molecular level. And when you think about us as believers, as we go through the firing process, you think about the trials, the difficulties, all of the things that the Lord allows into our lives, those things make us stronger at the molecular or at the spiritual level. And that allows us to just trust the Lord more and hold that treasure that we have inside of us even tighter. And we'll talk more about that in verses 8 through 12 here. But in those times, clay vessels, uh, what gave them the value was what was inside of the vessel, not the vessel itself. And when you think about it, us as believers, as earthen vessels, what gives us our value 
is having that knowledge of Jesus Christ, having that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we have inside of us. And we are ministers of that new covenant. And we have to remember that even the things that we do in this life that are temporary, things that we don't do for the Lord, all of those things will eventually pass away. Only what we have in Christ Jesus, that is what's going to be eternal. And, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith used to always say, you have only one life and it will soon be passed, and only what is done for Christ will last. And that's something we have to remember every single day as we continue living um, side by side with the Lord. So what we can conclude here from verse 7 um, is that he chose, the Lord chose to put this treasure in earthen vessels, you and I. That way the power would be um, from the excellence of God and not from ourselves. So all the glory goes to God and not to a certain individual. So the second thing we're going to see this morning um, here in the word of God is the firing process. The firing process in verses 8 through 12. So as I said before, as vessels, you know, you think about clay vessels, um, you have to pass that through the firing process so that it can solidify. So here, uh, Paul writes in verses 8 through 12, he writes, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So notice here in verses 8 through 9, the Apostle Paul talks about being hard-pressed. And when you think about being hard-pressed, it's the idea of being hunted down. And when you think about the life of Paul, many people disliked Paul because of what he was doing for the Lord. And, you know, you think about Paul, this guy went from being Saul of Tarsus, persecuting the early church, now an individual who was following Jesus Christ, and he himself now was being persecuted. Very interesting change there in his life. Notice he also says that yet he's not crushed. So despite the fact that he was hunted, it didn't crush him. He didn't go into sorrow. He wasn't sad about it. He wasn't depressed about it, right? He continued to do the Lord's work. He also talks about being perplexed here in verses 8 through 9, but not in despair, he says. So when you think about Paul, often... When Paul was called to do the Lord's work, he didn't exactly know what type of situation or circumstance he was going to walk into, but he went anyways. And even though it may have been a difficult situation, and we can read about that throughout scripture, um, the Lord did not allow him to reach a point of despair or a point of losing hope. And certainly in our lives, as we go through difficulties, the Lord also provides that same strength. That way we don't reach a point where we lose hope in our difficulties. Notice here, he also talks about being persecuted and not forsaken or abandoned. And often, when you think about the life of Paul, as he was persecuted for doing the Lord's work, it's almost as if somebody was breathing down your back, right? Somebody was always after you. And his enemies, they wanted to take Paul down because they didn't want him doing that work that the Lord had called him to do. But yet the Lord did not abandon him. Notice he also says being struck down and not destroyed. So Paul was often seriously wounded in ministry. 
emotionally, and even physically at times. Yet the Lord raised him up every time to continue doing that work that he had called him to do, to be a minister of that new covenant. And in the life of Paul, what we can learn from Paul and apply to our own lives is that no matter what route we take in life, whatever the Lord calls us to do, wherever we go, as long as we are in Christ Jesus, we are obedient to his calling and obedient to his word. There will always be victory at the end of the road. And in fact, if you look at the second chapter here in the second letter to the Corinthians, uh, Paul speaks about leaving behind a fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we want to leave behind that fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about this, and um, it reminded me of an article I read a few months ago. And it talks about where uh, when you first meet somebody and you leave a first impression, uh, the first thing that people noticed about you is, number one, your smile. And secondly, believe it or not, is your odor. People will remember your odor. They'll remember your smile and your odor. And um, in thinking about this, I don't know if this is like um, a Mexican thing or a Latino thing, but when one of my family members makes tacos or menudo, you know, I don't know if it's the Crisco or the morale lard that they're using, but you smell like manteca for like three weeks. I'm serious. You just, you reek of tacos or menudo for like three weeks. And in the case of believers, we always want to have that fragrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you ask yourself, what does that really look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus in character, and that's what we want to leave behind wherever we find ourselves. We want to leave that impression of Jesus Christ. That way people will be attracted to him and not necessarily onto us, and they can seek a life in Jesus Christ as well. So in the life of the Apostle Paul, all these difficulties, in a sense, that he was facing, they were allowing him to pass through this firing process, and they weren't destroying him. They were making him stronger. And I love what Warren Wiersbe says regarding this. He says, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. So you ask yourself, well, why did the Lord allow Paul to go through all of these difficulties? Why did the Lord allow Paul to go through this specific journey in life? And when you think about that in your life and even in my own life, you know, why did the Lord allow certain circumstances to come into my life? Why did the Lord allow me to go down this certain route in, in my life? Why am I going this way? Why am, I, why am I going that way? Well, we know that difficulties, trials that the Lord allows into our lives, all of those things, they bring God glory at the end of the day. And also those difficulties help us to rock, walk closer with the Lord and to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we have something to give to other people around us, right? As he ministers to us, we can minister to other people. Now, in terms of serving the Lord, it's the most difficult, emotional, and the most demanding things that are the most fruitful in our lives. They make us look more and more like Jesus, they're the most rewarding and the most fulfilling, and therefore the most life-changing. So looking here on in verses 10 through 11, as we just read here, uh, Paul wanted the life of Jesus evident throughout his own life. And this was only possible if he carried about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, the death of Jesus was being spiritually worked inside of him. And when you think about Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry, because Jesus walked on this earth, he had an earthly ministry. The word of God tells us this. The difficulties, the trials, and ultimately going to the cross for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of all of humanity. Um, you think about those things. 
in John chapter 15, verse 20, the word of God reminds us that a servant is not greater than their master. So all of those sufferings, all of those difficulties that Jesus faced, we are likely going to face similar things in our lives as we continue walking with the Lord together every single day. So not only was he, Paul, aware of Jesus's death, but it was a spiritual reality in his life as well. And the Lord can only do a work through us unless he does a work in us, right? He has to do a work in us first in order, in order, in order rather, to do a work through us. So the difficulties, the trials, the sufferings, all of those things, they have a purpose, right? That the Lord can do a work in us, that way he can do a work through us. Now, as clay pots, as this treasure is inside of us, every single day he continues to shape us and to mold us and to pass us through that firing process. So I love what Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 tells us. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So we want to die in his likeness. That way we can all be resurrected in his likeness. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever I'm going through right now, I, I don't know what you're going through right now. I know what I'm going through. Whether it's a season of great difficulty, maybe you're going through a really hard time right now, or maybe you're going through a very calm time right now. I don't know. But the Lord knows. All of these things have a purpose. They're to make us look more and more like Jesus Christ in character every single day. So moving on here in verses 11 and 12, um, when you think about verses 11 and 12, the more the church is persecuted, believe it or not, the more the church is going to grow. It's going to spread. And I love what William McDonald says regarding this. He says, constant exposure to death for Jesus' sake is the divine manner in which the life of Jesus is manifested in our mortal bodies. So when you think about this, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you think about brothers and sisters in Christ that maybe have been called to share the gospel overseas. They go to another country where the gospel, uh, the sharing of Jesus Christ is completely forbidden. And I, I've heard stories of individuals that have been imprisoned and they're moved from one prison to another prison. But I bet you as they're moved from one prison to another prison, they are sharing the gospel. They are sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the people around them. So even though they are imprisoned and being persecuted, Believe it or not, the gospel is being spread. People are coming to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. So as believers, we don't want to lose heart this morning. I know that we live in times where it seems like as Christians, we are being silenced left and right. right? They're taking, taking us out of the schools or taking us out of the workplace. It seems like there's no place for us anymore. We're being persecuted in a sense in our own country. So don't lose heart. The more it seems that we are persecuted, the more the gospel is going to spread. And we've seen that in history as well. So continuing here in verses 11 and 12, you know, I think about the Corinthians. I wonder if the Corinthians thought about Paul in the sense where they understood the difficulties that he had to endure in order to be a blessing to them. And, you know, I think about our church today. I think about the church here. You know, I think about Pastor Angel, who's not here this morning. Um, God willing, he'll be back at uh, the beginning of next week. But Pastor Angel, do, you know, do we think about him in terms of the difficulties that he faces leading our church? 
um, discipling us and pastoring us, just the difficulties that he faces in ministry, he and his family together. You know, we have to pray for our pastors. We have to pray for the leaders of the church. Um, I heard it once said that we need to put our pastors on a prayer list, not on a pedestal. And we have to keep praying for our pastors. That way our pastors are able to be filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Lord to lead us as we continue running this race together as believers. So always pray for your pastors. Pray for the leaders of your church, wherever you are. So Paul, in terms of our scripture this morning, he makes it clear that through all of his constant suffering, life came to them, speaking of the Corinthians. Now, when you think about the Corinthians, remember, Paul came to these individuals, and it was hard for him as he fathered this church there in Corinth. These individuals were heathen worshipers. Um, You think about that time in Corinth. They were accustomed to great wisdom and the Greek philosophy of that time. Um, And there, Paul had to deal with those individuals, but it was worth it. Paul came to them, these heathen worshipers. He led them to Jesus Christ. They were the seal of his apostleship. They represented what the Lord was doing through the life of Paul, all the suffering, all the work that he had to endure in order for this to happen. Not to mention that all of this grew Paul's relationship with Jesus Christ. It made him bolder in the Lord. And all the glory goes back to God. It doesn't go to Paul, it goes back to God. Now as we move on here to verses 13 through 15, the third thing we're going to see this morning is Paul's faith in a life-giving God. Paul's faith in a life-giving God. Beginning in verse 13, Paul writes, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So notice here in verse 13, Paul is speaking of the attitude of faith that we and every believer should have. Paul truly believed that God had a great purpose in all of these near-death experiences or trials, difficulties that he was facing. And a true witness of God is based on faith in God. And faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible tells us this in Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not the trials or the difficulties that give us our faith. Those things test our faith. James talks about this in his letter, if you, if you want to look at that a little bit later. Um, in James, it talks about the fact that trials and difficulties test our faith, but our faith comes from the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, living the Word of God. Now, Paul believed and he lived and experienced the resurrection life of Jesus, and he wasn't hesitant to speak about it. Now, just as Paul, we too should believe that through the various trials, seasons that we go through as believers, that God has a great purpose in those outcomes in our lives. He knows what's best for us. I think sometimes we go through a difficult time and we don't know what God is really doing. We don't understand. And it's not for us to understand. And we think that that is not the best thing for us. We think we know what's best for us. But God knows what's best for us because he loves us the most. He loves us more than we can love ourselves or anyone on the face of this planet could love us. So we just need to trust him because he's shaping us and preparing us for eternity. Now in verse 14, Paul was well aware that Jesus had conquered death 
And I believe this allowed him to share the gospel and to continue serving the Lord boldly and to go through those sufferings boldly as well. And, you know, you can think about it this way. Every death-like suffering that he faced was just one day closer to seeing the Lord face to face and closer to resurrection power. Now, when you think about death, death divides, doesn't it? And in Christ Jesus, though, we are all going to be united with our loved ones. You think about what he tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Now, we have many loved ones who maybe have passed on before us. And the Bible tells us that to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of the Lord. So we know where they are. And for this time, we are separated from them, but we will be reunited with them one of these days. And that's the hope, that's the future that we have in Jesus Christ. And I think that's very encouraging for us this morning as believers, because we know where we're going and we know that we're going to see our loved ones again, who are already with the Lord. And we no longer have to um, live a life wondering what's going to happen to us after we leave this earth, right? Because we don't really die. We die physically, but spiritually we live on forever. And that's something that is promised to us in Christ Jesus. And I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know if you all are familiar with, um, there's these memes, these memes on social media. It's called, Why Women Live Longer Than Men. And it shows pictures of grown men doing ridiculous things like jumping off of roofs into pools. Or I saw one where this guy was changing a light bulb. He was on top of a ladder. And there was a chair on top of the ladder, and he was standing on the chair changing a light bulb. But when you think about it, I don't know, I don't know if men really don't live as long as women. Um, I, I didn't look at those statistics specifically, but um, I guess maybe we do tend to do foolish things. But when you think about this in terms of a believer, um, our desire is to see the Lord face to face, to live with him forever and ever. And I can't wait to be in the presence of the Lord. Um, I'm not embracing death, but... The best is yet to come in Christ Jesus, and we're all looking forward to that as believers. Um, remember what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Um, we're not to be here forever, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. We're just pilgrims coming through this land. We don't want to set our stake tents, our tent stakes too deeply because this is not our home. Um, in verse 15 here of, this, of the uh, word of God, Notice here that Paul, we see a little glimpse of his heart here. Um, it was obviously to serve the Corinthians and other Christians as well. And all the glory was to go to God. And as believers, as you and I, as we serve the Lord, as we serve one another, it should always point and lead people to Jesus. And all the glory should go to God. That should be um, what motivates us in ministry, right? Because the more we are available and usable, the Lord can shape us and mold us, the more we have to give to other people around us. And Paul talks about this very thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. So if you're going through a certain circumstance in your life and the Lord comforts you, he ministers to you, you can give that same comfort and uh, wisdom to people around you as they go through similar circumstances that the Lord has allowed into your life. So the next thing we're going to look at here in these last two verses is that we don't want to lose heart. Don't lose heart. Uh, verses 16 through 18. So here the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So notice here in verse 16, it talks about not losing heart. Now, why don't we lose heart? And after reading here in the Word of God, some of the difficulties that the Apostle Paul had to face, some of the afflictions, the near-death experiences, you ask yourself, how could you not possibly lose heart in circumstances like that? Well, in the case of Paul, the Apostle here, all of his death-like trials made for a more effective um, and life-giving ministry for the Corinthians. And likewise, in your life and in my life, as we go through these difficulties, all of these things make us more like Jesus. So that's why we can um, live in such a way where we don't lose heart. And I know that it's easier said than done in the midst of a difficult time. Now, we can only live one day at a time, right? We can't live two days at a time. Only one day at a time. And in Christ Jesus, God will always provide for us day by day. And, you know, I think about this in Scripture. You think about the children of Israel, for example, as Moses led them through the wilderness. The Lord provided for them, didn't he? You think about the manna. You think about the cloud um, by day. And you think about also the Lord giving us the strength that we need every single day. You think about the book of Joshua, for example, as Joshua led individuals from one battle to the next. The Lord gave them the strength that they needed to continue doing that as they pursued the land that he had promised Abraham several hundred years before. And likewise, in your life and in my life, the Lord will provide all of those things. God gives us everything that we need to remain faithful to what he has called us to do. And certainly he did that here in the life of Paul. Now, remember, in order for these things to happen, we need to be in the will of God. We need to be obedient to his calling and to his word. We can't turn suffering from sin into glory. So if you're in sin, if you're living a life that is outside of Christ Jesus, um, yeah, there's going to be suffering, right? When we're disobedient to God, there's going to be suffering. You think about Jonah, for example, right? There was suffering in his life. Um, Things that we suffer outside of Christ, those will not glorify God. I mean, they eventually will because we'll come back to him. But in Christ Jesus, the things that we do for him and we suffer for his sake, those things will certainly glorify God. Now, going back to Paul... Uh, you think about his heart here for ministry and for the Corinthians. And, you know, to me, it just showed me what a beautiful heart Paul has to serve the Lord and to serve individuals. And another reason I believe Paul did not lose heart is because even though his sufferings were greatly weathering and decaying his physical body, he knew that he was being renewed inside day by day, growing inwardly for eternity, internally for eternity. And I love what David Guzik says regarding this. He says, on the outside, we are suffering and taking a beating. But on the inside, God is blessing and renewing us. And we can certainly relate to this as believers, as we serve and we live for the Lord day by day. Every single day, our bodies are literally taking a beating. um, Physically, emotionally, right? As we live and as we serve the Lord, as we go through difficulties, you know, it, it, it shows in our bodies, right? We, sometimes we lose our hair when we're going through a very stressful time or, you know, we break out in some acne. I don't know what your body goes through physically as you go through difficulties. But what we need to understand is that even though we're facing these physical beatings and batterings, inwardly, the Lord is renewing us day by day. He's strengthening us individually inside for eternity. We're going from glory 
to glory. Now, in verse 17, it's interesting that despite reading all of these difficulties that Paul faced here, and also if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, there Paul talks about the shipwrecks, the beatings, all of these near-death experiences that he faced as he served the Lord. Um, Notice that he refers to these things as light afflictions, light afflictions. And I love this because Paul is putting everything into perspective for us. When you compare his and our afflictions, the difficulties that we face on this earth, um, the eternal glory that we are promised in Christ Jesus, it shadows all of those things. All of those things are so small compared to what we have in Christ Jesus. And also, when you think about our current difficulties and afflictions, they're very short-lived. They're not going to last forever. But what the Lord is doing inside of us internally, that is what's going to last forever. That is for eternity. And the way I think about this is that no matter what's happening in my life right now, if I'm still in Christ Jesus, he's still revealing himself to me, he's still um, changing me internally day by day, then no matter what I'm going through, I can certainly have peace in my life, peace that surpasses all understanding. And I know that this is easier said than done um, because there have certainly been seasons in my life where um, my flesh doesn't want to trust God anymore. For example, um, going through a, kind of a rough season right now uh, with my family together. Um, about two years ago, my mother had, she suffered a brain hemorrhage and it impacted her physically, mentally, emotionally. And all of our lives have changed significantly since that event. But we trust that the Lord um, will be glorified through all of this. And we trust that he's using this uh, circumstance to shape us and to mold us and to make us look more like Jesus. And there's days where we don't want to trust the Lord because we think we know what's best for my mom. We think we know what's best for our own lives. But the truth is God loves my mom more than I could love my mom. So this event that he allowed into her life We trust him completely, and we continue to trust the Lord as we continue moving forward in her recovery. And we're grateful for what he has done so far. You know, every day as he continues to heal her, it's a blessing. We see the Lord working in her life and in our lives as well. But what's interesting is that when people see your life, um, especially people that are outside of Christ Jesus, they only see what's happening outwardly. They don't see what's happening internally in your life what the lord is doing in your life internally in your heart and in the circumstance with my mom you know often people will see what has happened to her and what has happened to us how our lives have changed and often they tell us oh we feel so bad for you we are devastated for you but what they don't see is what the lord is doing inside of us how it's grown our trust in the lord how it has grown our love for him and for one another as a family people don't see that right away they only see externally Um, what the circumstance perhaps has done. And we'll talk more about that in just a little bit here. I love what Paul tells us in Romans 8, 17. He says, If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together, right, with the Lord. Um, In verse 18, right, he says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but all the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When you think about the life of the Apostle Paul, many people probably thought Paul was a great failure, right? He went from being an individual that persecuted the early church, now an individual that was being persecuted himself, right? Being hunted down for being a follower of Jesus Christ. 
and one of the greatest apostles, I believe, in the history of the world. Now, I remember talking a lot about this um, when I was back in Colorado, especially with young people. Just how as Christians, people look at you differently. They think that just because you're a Christian, you're some sort of freak or you're some sort of individual that doesn't have a life, right? Um, it must not be cool to be a Christian, but they only see that outwardly, which is a misconception, right? We're still normal people, right? We're still, there's so many fallacies in our life where we're no different. We just have Christ Jesus inside of us, which is different. And often people don't see what the Lord is doing inside internally for eternity in our lives. And I think about this, many, many saints before us, many, many believers before us were able to accomplish great things for the Lord because they didn't look at the obvious, right? They saw the invisible. And for us as believers, how do we see the invisible? Well, we behold it by looking into the word of God, right? The word of God is where our faith comes from. The word of God is where all of his promises, the things that he has already fulfilled, the things that he has yet to fulfill are in there, right? That's where our faith comes from. And by looking into the word of God, into the mirror of God's word, that gives us um, an idea of what the invisible is and what's occurring in our lives as well. And a lot of people miss that. They only look at the outward appearance of a man, right? That's what, that's what man does. But the Lord looks at the heart and that's what he shapes and molds. He changes us from glory to glory every single day. So if you think about it, if you lose everything in this world, but you still have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you have that um, new covenant, right? You're a minister of that new covenant, that treasure inside of you, then really you have lost nothing. You have everything that you need because you have the unseen inside of your heart, inside of your life. So after looking at all of these verses this morning, verses 7 through 18 here in 2 Corinthians, uh, certainly Paul has put a lot of things into perspective for us especially going through difficulties, um, hard circumstances that shape us and mold us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Passing through that firing process, right, that allows us to keep that treasure inside of us and to share it with people around us as we minister the new covenant every single day uh, to the people around us. So just a couple of things that we talked about this morning. Number one, we looked at the fact that the treasure that we have is in earthen vessels, right? We have a great treasure inside of us, right? You and I, we are these clay vessels that the Lord is shaping and molding. And as we continue to minister this new covenant in Christ Jesus, um, what's interesting to me is that God has chosen to use us. He could have done any other thing he possibly wanted to, right? Because he's God. He can do anything he wants to share his gospel. But he chose to use us individuals, weakest of the weak, right? The weakest of the weakest, right? The least of the least to share the gospel with people around us. Now, as vessels, the second thing we looked at was the firing process. Um, as we talked about this, right, the clay, the vessel has to go through the firing process to solidify. And as believers, our firing process is the difficulties, the trials that the Lord allows into our lives. Those are the things that solidify us as vessels and that treasure inside of us can shine out and remain inside of us. And what we learned through the life of the Apostle Paul, we can certainly apply in our lives as well, right? Um, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, as long as we are in Christ Jesus, we're obedient to the Lord's calling and to his word, there will be um, victory at the end of the day. Um, there is something much greater for us in Christ Jesus, and that's the hope and the future that we have in him. And that's what we need to focus on, not, not the minor affliction that only lasts for a little while. Now, in the life of Paul, all of these difficulties, in a sense, 
Like I said before, they were allowing him to pass through that firing process. They didn't destroy him. They made him stronger. They made him look more and more like Jesus Christ. The third thing we looked at was faith in a life-giving God. And Paul truly believed. He had faith that God had a great purpose in all of his death-like experiences, his sufferings. And because of this, he could face his difficulties with great boldness. And likewise, you and me this morning, as we continue to walk with the Lord, if we face difficulties, which we are, right? Because Jesus faced them when he was on this earth. We're no greater than our master. So we're going to face difficulties. We're going to face persecution and um, hard times in our lives. We can face it with great boldness, knowing that the Lord is using those things to make us look more like his son, Jesus. And then lastly, we don't want to lose heart. Don't lose heart. So as we continue to walk with the Lord in the good and the bad and through the ugly, um, we want to continue just holding on to him and trusting him. And I heard this quote the other day, and um, I don't know who said this, but it said, I heard it on the radio. It said, if we let God change the way we see, it will completely change what we are able to do. So if we let God change the way we see, it will completely change what we are able to do. So let's remember this as we go forth this next week. Um, we don't want to lose heart. We want to continue walking with the Lord as he continues shaping us and changing us from glory to glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning, Lord. We pray that your word would become flesh in our lives, that your word would continue to minister us to, to us, Lord God, as we walk out of here, as we continue on this week. Um, Lord, we know that you have a plan for us. You have a plan for each and every single one of us. We pray that you continue to fill us afresh with the power and the person of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you give us a thirst, a desire for your word. We pray that you give us a thirst, a desire, Lord, to seek you in prayer and to be in fellowship with your body, Lord. We pray that you, you give us your heart, your eyes, Lord God, for the needs around us in this community. We thank you so much, Lord God, for the privilege of knowing you, the privilege of being considered children of the Most High. We thank you so much for the hope and the future that we have through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We praise you, Lord God. All these things we pray in Jesus' name.